From the studios of Boise State Public Radio News, I'm Samantha Wright filling in for Jim Goddard. It's Idaho Matters. International relations can seem really far away from anybody in the United States, including here in Idaho. And that's something that Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary Kristen Kane with the U.S. Department of State wants to change. She came to Boise last week and sat down with Morning Edition host George Prentice to talk about the second anniversary of the attack on Ukraine, sanctions against Russia, and why she came to visit the Gem State. You are here, uh, we should note up front, through the good graces of the Frank Church Institute, and you're spending time with some of our best and brightest Idaho High School Model United Nations attendees. How exciting for them. What's this experience been like for you? Well, it's been great. We just arrived yesterday from Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C., so on a personal piece, first time in Boise and Idaho. I'm a a Westerner, but I haven't haven't had the opportunity to to be uh, here yet. So it's beautiful. People are lovely. And they just had so much energy uh, representing their countries from China to Nigeria to Kazakhstan. And I was so impressed that they're interested not just in international affairs, but but in serving. So a lot talked to, uh, to me about diplomacy, about the Peace Corps, and how they can uh, look at having careers in this area. It, w- it was great. And is your message that much different to them as it would be to people much older? Not too much. Um, Last night, I spoke to a mostly older crowd. I would say a lot of retired and and Mm -hmm. some some current professionals through the Frank Church Society. And... um, we we talked a deeper, say, complexity, but overall, I'm trying to represent um, what U.S. foreign policy does for the benefit of Americans. In the case of Model UN, we talked about multilateral diplomacy and, mm. and how that's different and how Americans view the U.N. and how the U.S. government works within the U.N., um, but but overall, we're, we're broadly trying to connect foreign policy to the American people and then to hear from Idahoans, um, whether it be young people or, or older people, about what matters to them. And, and I'm hoping to take that back to Washington. Let's talk about what matters. February 24th, a grim anniversary. We're reminded that it was February 24th, two years ago, that Russia invaded Ukraine. Most reports indicate that things are not going well there. You're in a unique position in that you work for the State Department, but you're a communicator for a living. Uh, And we've been hearing and reading more about what the media has tagged as America's Ukraine fatigue, Congress struggling to reach an agreement to get more aid to Ukraine. But how do you sustain a level of urgency and push through fatigue, whether it's real or imagined? Yeah, with the two-year anniversary, we put on a new round of sanctions, which are far-reaching um, uh, across several different countries that do business with Russia that we think uh, enables uh, the war against individuals who we found directly responsible for opposition figure Alexei Navalny's uh, death, which just underscored the brutality of Putin and the Kremlin. 
with our European partners, for for them, it is almost tangible. Um, they, of course, have this war happening on European soil, what our political director recently called a World War One trench-style warfare in Europe that we could never have imagined would take place in the 21st century. Um, and we've actually seen Europeans come forth with more support for Ukraine than even the United States. I think um, many Americans think we're, we're sending all this money abroad and it's just the U.S. and it's a faraway war. Well, of course, it's, it's not a faraway war when we have Putin saying, uh, writing openly that he would like to go much beyond Ukraine into NATO countries. And it also is something that um, that Europeans, again, feel, feel directly and, and have supported. I'll also mention that so much of U.S. support to date, uh, yes, is for Ukrainians fighting for their freedom for Europe and beyond, but actually comes through U.S. companies across 40 different American states. Mm-hmm. So these are um, uh, pieces of equipment and, and, and different war-aiding uh, machinery, et cetera, that are actually produced right here in the United States. So it's not like we're just writing a check and sending it over there. Two years on, we think that uh, Ukraine has fought incredibly valiantly for 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 their their people and their land and their freedom. Uh, they have held off Russia. Um, they have gotten back fifty percent of the land that Russia has sought to take. They have opened up uh, the Black Sea to get grain shipments out. So crucial, not just for Ukraine, but for so many of the countries around the world and North and other parts of Africa that rely on it. Um, and we've seen that this is a strategic failure for Russia. Uh, Russia, which has lost, we think about two hundred thousand of its own people. Const- forced to join uh, the military. Um, uh, and to that point, I mean, uh, Vladimir Putin seems to have mortgaged the present and the future of the Russian people on this conflict. I think that's an absolutely correct way of putting it. And we see, whether it uh, was Alexei Navalny or other uh, people who have fled Russia who are speaking out on this, if they can uh, flee, mm-hmm. Um, Russia just shut down uh, the way that um, Americans would primarily communicate with Russians through Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, which is part of the overall Voice of America radio mm-hmm. establishment. We were um, doing pretty well, reaching about 10 percent of the, the Russian population, which is significant given that that country does not have respect of freedom of the press. Um, but but you're absolutely right. And we hope that Russians can access information that is credible uh, and true uh, so that they can see what Putin is doing to their country. What will be a turning point, though, of the next package of aid from our country? The next package of aid is incredibly important. And as you and I'm sure many of your listeners know, there's been a supplemental package before Congress yeah. that our president uh, put forth um, in, in, in last fall of 2023. And that needs to be passed for Ukraine to be able to continue to fight for its freedom. Uh, a good many young men and women are looking up to you quite literally today and, and uh, over the last couple of days here in Idaho. I'm going to guess if this has always been a noble calling for you. Can you convince them that it indeed continues to be a noble calling if they want to be 
you? I, I hope so. I talked a lot about last night and this morning with the kids about combining uh, a love for international affairs in general and, and service, which I feel so much being here in, in, in Boise, whether it's through Frank Church Institute and Society, whether it's visiting the um, incredible and touching Anne Frank mm-hmm. Human Rights Memorial funded by an amazing Idahoan, Greg Carr, who's worked to, to help transform a country where I have served. Mozambique. Um, so I feel that that service and that community, I, I think we feel that uh, a lot across many communities in the United States. So I, I felt that energy from the kids. Um, it's not always easy. And we talked about that too. They were, were interested in what it's like to be far from home, far from friends and family. Um, but it is, I, I think, a, an honor to serve the United States abroad. And while sometimes have been more difficult than others, it continues to be an honor that I really love doing. Tell me if this is none of my business, but are there moments when you choose not to tell people what you do for a living in social settings? <laughs> um, so that, because everyone probably either has an opinion or wants to, wants to just, just get your ear on almost anything and everything. That uh, is 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 sometimes the case indeed, and I'll share that whenever I'm in a different city, whether it's in the United States or elsewhere, I enjoy conversations with taxi drivers or Uber drivers. Oh, yeah. And this morning, we had a really interesting conversation with a local Boisean uh, Uber driver. We, did, we didn't say we're from the State Department or mm. that I'm a diplomat, but we did say we're from Washington, D.C., and, 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 and he guessed from the government. Um, so did you get the real deal? We, he gave us an earful. <laughs> He gave us an earful, <laughs> and he was so polite and apologized and had a lot of negative things, frankly, to say about the government and said, you know, but but not you guys, not you guys. Um, but he, he also said, oh, so I'm, I pay your salaries. And I said, yes, you do. And, and that is part of the reason we're out here, because, yes, we are funded by the U.S. taxpayer, and we work on behalf of Americans. And mm-hmm. we know that international relations can seem really far away from anybody in the United States, including here in Idaho. Um, but we do want people to know when we're out there trying for better economic security and democratic um, systems around the world, um, that we're doing it for the United States and for the American people. Thanks for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Samantha Wright. We'll see you tomorrow. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.